Oh, well, we've got loads of time. We've only been going an hour and 10 minutes on follow-up. <laughs> well, I'm looking. We have things that we theoretically sort of wanted to talk about. I don't fancy our chances. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get to anything. I feel like... <laughs> this is just 100% follow-up. It feels like a very long time since we did this. It has been a very long time. I think for us, it's been almost three weeks since the last time we recorded because we recorded the last two back-to-back. So that's why it feels like it's been such a long time. You know how like you see like your wife every day and every mm-hmm. single little thing that happens in life can become a conversation. Mm-hmm. But then when there's like a mate or someone you haven't seen for a really long time mm-hmm. and you talk about well, what's been going on since we last saw each other mm-hmm. and there's like so many things you mm-hmm. almost don't know what to talk about. Like what qualifies as being big enough and important enough to talk about when you haven't spoken for a long time? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. When you haven't seen another person... You can't talk about the little things because they're not involved enough to care or for it to be meaningful in the slightest. So you just have to talk about the big things. But three weeks is difficult because three weeks is like nothing really big could have happened. Yeah. Or probably not happened. But the little things all of a sudden seem too little. So three weeks is probably the worst possible gap between talking to friends or recording podcasts. I actually had to go back and listen to our old podcasts like I made fun of you doing on the last show. uh, Because (laughs) I just I felt like I could not remember at all what we talked about. And then I was, oh, yes, what a delightful conversation about flags that was. How how great. Uh, Did you enjoy listening to her? Or? I, I am not going to lie. I did enjoy listening to me talk about flags. I know I made fun of you for this, this same behavior last time. But I thought, wow, that, that was really enjoyable. I'd listen to that guy again. <laughs> you know, in one of the last podcasts, I think it was the last one, I jokingly said that I'd be sitting by the pool in Morocco yep. listening to our podcast. Yep. <laughs> Well, I was sitting by the pool in Morocco and I was listening to our podcast, <laughs> but like um, there was kind of a reason for it because mm-hmm. people pe- people may not care, but the way we make this is you usually send me kind of a, a very rough cut mm-hmm. once you've put it together so I can just have a quick listen and give you some ideas for titles and editing and things like that. And so I was listening to those before you had put it up. So I felt like I had to listen to it. I was helping you. I was doing my job. Yes. And there's another sort of thing where, which I'm often maligned about uh, by my wife for kind of chuckling at my own jokes. Mm-hmm. Like just in, ge- just in general, like if I'm with people and I say a joke, I'll, mm-hmm. have a li- I'll laugh after I say it. I was sitting by the pool and, yeah. then, and then I heard myself make the joke that I will be sitting by the pool in Morocco listening to the podcast. Uh-huh. And I was sitting by the pool listening to the podcast <laughs> and then I laughed at myself making that joke because of the funniness of the fact that I was doing it. And then I paused the podcast and turned to my wife next to me and said, the funniest thing just happened. I was listening to the podcast. I said I'd be by the pool in Morocco listening to the podcast. I'm by the... And then I told her like the whole meta joke. Uh-huh. And then I laughed at laughed at the joke of the joke of the joke. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit like Inception. I was laughing at this joke about eight levels down Mm -hmm. and I just thought this was the most amazing thing ever. And then I know she got on her phone and sent you some (laughs) text. You guys had a giggle behind my back. She did not think it was the most amazing thing. (laughs) So I'm back. Did you have a good time in Morocco? It was amazing. Yeah. Very hot. It was very relaxing. Mm -hmm. We were staying at this kind of quite nice place, which was quite quite a grown-up type place. Mm Mm-hmm. Not many kids there. And then a few kids arrived one day with a family. Oh, the worst. Yeah, I know. These things happen. Mm. So, anyway, 
oh, two nights we were there, they have like this open air cinema where they just set up some rugs and lovely cushions on the side of a hill and they, they play a movie. Mm-hmm. So they were going to play um, Casablanca. And of course, if you're in Morocco, and I'd never seen Casablanca, and n- neither had my wife, and we were really looking forward to it. Oh, this is going to be really lovely, watching Casablanca under the stars in in Morocco. So we went and we laid we lay down, and they had like these. They've got these wireless headphones, so it's a really it was a really nice. It's a really nice thing. Uh, and that we'd seen a movie earlier in the week, so we knew how lovely it was going to be. And they didn't tell anyone this, but we there was a delay starting, and then we had to watch all these trailers and all these things, and then eventually the, the film started. And it wasn't Casablanca. They played um, Hunger Games. Now, don't I like Hunger Games. It's a good film. But I'd seen it before. It's not what I was expecting. We'd All day we'd been looking forward to Casablanca. They hadn't told anyone they weren't going to play Casablanca. And we... Um, so, like, I took my headphones off and I sort of said to the people, what, what's going on? And they said, oh, the kids went to the manager today. Or one of the kids went to the managers today and said, can we watch Hunger Games instead? Oh. And the manager said, oh, okay. And they didn't tell anyone. They changed it, and they just played it. And like everyone had turned up, and like was all sitting there romantically with their glasses of wine, waiting for the film. And then the different film started. I tell you what, there was some, there was some quietly unhappy people there. So, oh, uh, man, so, so Kids I went and, uh, ruining everything. <laughs> we went back to the room, and I, um, I asked for the DVD of Casablanca so we could watch it in our room. <laughs> And they they brought it to me and we watched the first 20 minutes and got tired and fell asleep and said, oh, we'll watch it tomorrow. And the next the next day- What the an people, exciting evening. Yeah. It, it was a pretty exciting evening, but I was I stayed calm. So, anyway, the next morning, the people come to the room and they say, can we have the Casablanca DVD back? And they look very sheepish. And I'm like, well, no, uh, I, I haven't finished watching it. And after what you did last night, I'm hanging on to it because we're going to watch it tonight. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we really need it back. And I said, you're not having it back. And they were like, oh, we need it because we're going to play it tonight on the big screen again. And it wasn't a movie night that night. And it turns out so many people had gotten their knickers in a twist about this. There'd mm-hmm. been this huge mutiny. And the manager had, like, realized the error of his ways. And they had to have another big movie night the next night. And they did show Casablanca. And it was lovely under the stars. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice evening. Do you know this thing about kids, right? Because we're here whinging about, because we don't have kids. And when you haven't got kids, it's easy to whinge about not having kids. Well, um, it's easy to whinge about kids because they're like little monsters. Former teacher here. <laughs> yeah. In the last podcast, um, you made some, some, oh, when we were talking about dogs and you, and we were talking about having kids versus dogs. Uh-huh. And I thought all the viewers that had kids would get in a bit of a tiz and and say we were being too glib about kids. Mm-hmm. Not a single comment. I was I was going to bring it up the same thing. I was amazed not a single person complained about our comments that dogs are more responsibility than children, which yeah. I'm going to take as evidence that people who have dogs and children know that we are right about this. But, you know, you suggested that, you know, languages in schools is unnecessary and it was like an international incident. And then you may say... But then the thing about kids, nothing. I don't know. It must say something about our audience, I guess. But No, I think it says yeah. something about how difficult children are relative to how difficult dogs are. That's that's all. I'm, that's what I think it's about. Well, by that rationale, because of all the outcry over your teacher stuff, that means you must acknowledge your teacher stuff was wrong, like your language stuff. No, no, it doesn't work both ways. It only works one way. Okay. Um, what have we got on the list of things to follow up? We, we, there was some talk about your love of checklists. And sort of a challenge was thrown down 
to guess what Gray's daily checklist is because you won't reveal what's on your daily checklist for whatever reason. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. So yes, we mentioned that, uh, or you you threw down a a challenge to the listeners to try to guess what was on my checklist. There were some guesses. I did see some on the subreddit. Did you have a look through them? Yeah, there were a bunch. There were a bunch of of really good guesses. But my <laughs> favorite was by a guy called Delusion on the Reddit, and uh, his his list is continues on the meta theme because some of the items that he wrote for what he guessed was on my list is one check previous day's list and carry over new business to today. Two, arrange today's list according to current needs. Proofread today's list. Left justify today's list. Nice touch there. Um, do life stuff. Update list based on life stuff. Make tentative list for tomorrow. Review this month's list and update accordingly. And then review the day's list and contemplate any other necessary lists. And I thought, he's kind of right. In a, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not too far off because I do use many lists to manage my other lists. So it's general, but it is it is kind of right. Well done to Delusion. <laughs> the most accurate, if least specific list you could possibly make. So I like that. I like that a lot. So of the other people who were making like more serious guesses, they were quite a way off the mark or were there any where you thought, hmm? Uh, no, the, the, uh, people, people, some people were on the mark. One of the things that I thought was funny was, was somebody wrote up a list and one of the items they included on the list was eat breakfast. And somebody somebody replied to them and said nobody would need to put eat breakfast on the list. And then I I, I chimed in and said, actually, I do have eat breakfast <laughs> on my workflow list. That is one of the items. So this person was correct, even though other people were jumping in and telling him, no, that's too ridiculous. Nobody would put that on there. But I do. I do have that on my list. So you remind me that like, you hear those stories about like genius scientists who like employ people to come and remind them to eat because they get so lost in their thoughts they forget to eat. And- you do that, do you? Get- yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it because I'm not doing it because I'm a genius scientist. That that was when I was a kid. I would love to have grown up to be a genius scientist, but that was not in the cards for me. No. Uh, it turns out I am neither smart enough nor diligent enough for the genius scientist route. That is very hard. Uh, I mean, I mainly actually have that on my list because I am. I am. I think we've t- touched on this before, but I am very aware that my whole day's productivity is very sensitive to slight changes in the morning. So, I, like things have to go very smooth when I first wake up to kind of getting into the office and starting work. And so, I I, I try to make that part of the day really mechanical as much as possible. Like just do these things in this order every time. Uh, to try to ease me into getting a, a good start on the day. So that's why I do have breakfast on there, but I don't have other meals. It doesn't say, don't forget about dinner. Uh, it, it's just like, th- this is this is the order that I want to do things in all the time. So that's-, that's You still haven't convinced me why you would have to have that written down though. Like you're not going to forget to it, eat. It's, like- yeah, it's nothing It's nothing to do with the forgetting. It's a, it's everything to do with the the ritualization of what you're doing first thing in the morning. That That's what it is. Uh, so this is this is just a way to encourage a little ritual in the morning, which I find is beneficial to the whole day's work. But you haven't got like brush your teeth or get dressed on the list, presumably. No, and this is this is the thing with with. Uh, I mean, we so can turn this into what, a whole what, checklist discussion. But why does breakfast? What what is it about breakfast that gets it on the list that put on my underpants doesn't have? Yeah, that means it doesn't go on the list. Well, th- this is this is the the art of checklist creation. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's gonna that's gonna be your your book, isn't it? <laughs> the well, Art of Checklist Creation there, by CGP Gray. There is a there is a book. Uh, if I can remember off the top of my head, the title called, which is worth reading, probably mention it in Audible at some point, but it is the Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gwande, who's a, a doctor. Very interesting book. And it, it talks about how do you make checklists in different environments. And, and one of the things that he talks about is, for example, uh, prepping uh, surgery patients. So what you need to have a checklist of, of what is going to happen to prep someone for, say, open heart surgery. Hmm. And the the there's a real art in making a checklist that is effective, and that you can't put everything on there. And that there, there are actual studies showing, you know, how often do things get forgotten, or how often do things get messed up. And if a checklist is too long, people tend to go through it very automatically without really thinking about it. Right. But of course, if it's too short, you end up with errors because you're leaving off things that you're assuming people are just going to do, but sometimes they don't. And But you want very obvious things on a checklist. And he also talks about pre-flight checklists for airplanes. What Ooh. needs to be on this? I know, I know. You must now be getting excited talking. now. now really, talking. Checklists are really boring until they're pre-flight checklists. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, Brady's ears perk up. That's right. Or, yeah. or go, no, go for launch. Yes. Yeah. Capcom. Yes. All, go. All that, all, yeah. all that, that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. That's when checklists become cool. Yeah, that, that, they, yeah. Checklists are are never more cool than when they are dealing with spaceships. A go yes. no go uh, checklist. But 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 so it's it's an interesting book to read to talk about what what should be and should not be on on this kind of list. Yeah. So for me, things like brush teeth, put on pants. Right. This is not on the list because they just they happen very naturally. But I, but I think eating breakfast falls into that category. That's what I don't get. Like, I, I I respect that you can't put too much on and you can't have too little. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that, you know, eat cornflakes is is one that would make the list. For for me, it's it sounds so dumb, but for me, I am aware that, that breakfast is a bit of a, a trouble point because very often I will wake up and I don't quite feel hungry. And I have learned from experience that this is dangerous because I'll feel like, oh, I don't need to eat right now. Let me just start piddling around with some sort of work, but it's not really work. This is this is one area where I'm aware that things can go a little bit wrong. So it is helpful to have a bit of a nudge that says, even if you don't feel like it, just eat your standard breakfast now and then move right along this list into, into getting things set for the day. All right. So I do have on that checklist that while I am making breakfast, I do create an additional checklist, which is relevant to the events that are going to happen in the day. And like that, but that is, that is a nice, like, let's get going on the day routine. And breakfast is a, is a sticking point. Whereas you never forget to brush your teeth because you just feel so disgusting as a human being until you have done it. So that, there's no way you're not, you're not going to do that. But yes. Do you use an electric toothbrush? Electric toothbrushes are a recent addition to the Grey household. And mine. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Like a week ago. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you? I was on Reddit the other day, uh-huh. and there was, a, there was a question and asked Reddit, like, what, what, what purchase less than $100 or something has, like, been most life-changing for you? Mm-hmm. And I was amazed by the number of people who said electric toothbrush. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I've I've been thinking about one for a long time, so I took the plunge and got one. Mm-hmm. Is it Love a it. Sonicare toothbrush by any uh, chance? No, I didn't get that one. Um, what did I get? Hang on, it's 
I think I got an Oral B one. It's a posh mm-hmm. one. It was quite. It was. It was a posh one. Mm-hmm. But I I read all the reviews and the Sonicare did look good. But mm-hmm. for various reasons, I went for this other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what's been your first impressions? Uh, my wife decided that we were going to convert to electric toothbrushes, mm-hmm. and so this this just happened, and we've had them for several months now, mm-hmm. and. Here's how I know that this is a thing that has become part of my life without me really noticing. Because at first, I was all unreasonably grumpy about this. this is, oh, change for no apparent reason? <laughs> I don't know about this. I have to charge my toothbrush. I have enough things in my life I need to charge. I don't, I don't need to charge something like a toothbrush. But anyway, so we, I started to use it. And uh, we have the Sonicare one, which I highly recommend. I think it's very good. But it is very strange to use at first. It sort of tickles. It takes a little while to get used to it. And then th- the feeling goes away. But I cannot remember. Where was I? I, I was overnight somewhere for, for travel purposes. And I did not have the electric toothbrush. I had a regular toothbrush. Mm. And when I used it, it felt like I was brushing my teeth with a twig with some leaves on it. <laughs> like, how did I ever use this barbaric tool before? My teeth don't even feel remotely clean having used this stick and these leaves. I think I've just moved a whole bunch of junk around and possibly made my mouth dirtier than it was before. So I, I cannot go back. I know, once you go to an electric toothbrush, there is no turning back. You can never, you can never reverse this path. At least that's that's my feeling on it. Have you used a normal toothbrush, or are you only doing this for a week? So, we'll yeah, check in a later. couple of weeks. But I mean, it makes brushing your teeth like fun. Like I really look forward to it. Like I am now brushing my teeth once a week, whether I need to or not. Oh boy. <laughs> no, but the uh, but but seriously, I uh, I love it. Like it does. It makes it fun. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to do it for longer. Like it's like, oh, just give me another minute or two brushing my teeth. This is, it's like how the shredder has made throwing <laughs> a paper away fun. The electric toothbrush has made brushing my teeth really fun. Hmm. I'm hmm. surprised that you would have taken converting. You know, you're this, you're this uber tech guy that loves everything modern and thinks technology is the answer to all our problems. And yet you were happy using the twig and leaves for so long. Well, first, I didn't know that it was twig and leaves when I was using it. I had to have my eyes opened to the reality <laughs> of the situation. There's a conflict in which I'm, I also value simplicity. Mm. And I, I, I honestly, I always just thought electric toothbrushes were a gimmick. I thought this is just the company needs to sell more expensive toothbrushes with higher margins on them. And so they're trying to convince me that electric toothbrushes are the way to go. And then this is just some some little gimmick thing. So I never considered them as being genuinely better, but mm. they, they but they really do feel much, much better. So, uh, yes, I, I did need convincing because I was valuing simplicity. And like I said, I didn't want another yet another thing that I have to charge, which I do find irritating. Yeah. That 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 is one part because at least in at least in our bathroom this is something with the this is a small irritation in the world of living in England is the electric sockets in bathrooms over here yes they don't have it's in the electrical code I think that you yeah, can't have mm. you can't have a regular wall socket in the bathroom yeah. in the UK you have these wimpy wimpy little shaving sockets and maybe one if you're lucky but. This is frustrating. And so I still don't like the fact that I have to have a little charging station for my toothbrush in my office because there's no other place to put it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like that. Thumbs down on that. I would like there to be wireless charging or magic or just an electric socket in the bathroom 
I know. I, th- yeah. I think we're. I think we're okay. With it would that, only but. cause a few hundred extra deaths a year, and I think for the convenience of you being able to charge your toothbrush in the toilet, it's it's worth it. Uh, it would. It would cause no extra deaths a year. If if uh, why is if, it in the electrical code? If they like, why have they made that the law that you can't have these full power sockets in the bathroom? Because they're overly cautious. We have full power sockets in America. You don't hear about rashes of people dying. This is what we have circuit breakers. You don't hear about it, but doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I suppose. Okay. All right. Let me, here, let me let me let me Google something. Hold on a moment. How many people die from electrocution in the United States every year? In the bathroom. Uh, electrician killed by electric shock while fixing bathroom lights. <laughs> You don't have to go through every individual news story. I'm hoping for sort of an overarching statistic here. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, but I'm just trying to find out the, the, the top link is nothing to do with the number of deaths. Okay, let's try something else here. I can't even find anything. It's just... People I'm, on the Reddit would let us know. They will. I'm going to assume that basically... Oh, God. Wikipedia sometimes has terrifying pictures of things. Hmm. Uh, it's like, oh, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, that's what electrified flesh looks like. Thanks, yeah. Wikipedia. You could have warned me. Yeah. Um, what is this? Electrical Safety Foundation International. Seriously, we need to cut No, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm almost there. Don't. <laughs> Don't. This, this interlude of Grey Googling something on Hello Internet is brought to you by... Dr. Pepper. Yeah, this is, I'm, I'm going to assume that basically this is so infrequent as to not be mentioned. Like, I'm seeing all these statistics about injury from electric shock just in the household in general. I'm seeing almost nothing about deaths from electric shock I that are not believe, electricians. I refuse to believe that Americans aren't killing themselves in their bathrooms there. They, they do some pretty silly stuff, Americans, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them, yes. But mm. anyway, I'll, I will, I'll be curious. We'll see if we can find some actual statistics or some some intrepid listener can find some actual statistics about death in the bathroom, accidental from electricity. Uh, I'd be curious to know. But I, I would I would bet that it's not it's not very large. That's my guess. I'm betting that it is large. All right. Well, we will see. So I'm looking at our list here of things in follow up. We've got through one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. After we recorded this podcast, I went and looked, and indeed, the checklist manifesto, How to Get Things Right by Atul Gawande, is available on Audible because they have over 100,000 books to listen to. So this is definitely my recommendation for this week if you are interested in the art of checklist creation or just a book that talks about the problems that can arise when you have humans working in organizations. How do you make sure that everyone in a hospital does what they need to do? Or how do you make sure that everybody in an airline does what they need to do? This is the book to listen to. So I highly recommend that one for this week. And of course, if you sign up to Audible with us, you get a free audiobook to listen to. So if you want to listen to it, Audible has it with over 150,000 titles and virtually every genre, you'll find what you're looking for. To get your free audiobook and 30-day trial today, just sign up at audible.com slash hellointernet, all one word. That's audible.com slash hellointernet. Humble bragging. Oh, okay. I have to just talk about this for a little bit. 
since it came up. I think you you kind of brought up the term. I hadn't heard the term. You know how you said on on Twitter you are getting notifications of every single plane crash that ever occurs. Yeah. And I also see that people tweet you with just about every every use of the word freebooting that ever yes. happens in the world. Yes. So, so I experienced this same phenomenon where it seemed like everybody was tweeting me various humble brags. I'm getting a, I'm maybe not as much as you, but I'm getting a lot of that too. Yeah. Like every time someone says it in, every time someone humble brags, yeah, the, the Twitter lights up. Yeah, and, and it's like people don't know what this word is. I like I've seen several news stories or people showing me some humble brag, and it's like, that's not a humble brag. So yeah. I think the the fundamental thing about the humble brag is you are complaining about something. In a way that makes you look awesome. That is that is the key thing. Is is this opposition? You your com- your ostensible complaint. I don't think you have to be complaining, but I think you have to be saying something either a bit negative or something like it yeah, has or, to or, yeah. it has to appear that the premise is something a little bit self deprecating when in fact the intent is the exact opposite. Yes, that yeah, that's that's a better way to put it. Uh, complaining yeah. is too specific, but yes, you you yeah. are are. Describing yourself in ostensibly negative terms, but you're actually pumping yourself up is sort of what you're doing. Uh, And there is a there is a Twitter account and it is just at Humblebrag. And what I like is it is an account that just retweets people making Humblebrags. So it doesn't doesn't comment on them. It just just doesn't doesn't say anything. There's no it doesn't tweet (laughs) itself. It just retweets other people. That's class. That's a classy move. And. Some of them are, um, some of them are just they're just celebrities or they're people that that you might you might know. Uh, so let me just see if I, I'm just pulling it up here and let me see if I can just find a couple examples of ones that I think are good examples of what a humble brag is. All right. Uh, here's one where humble brag retweeted Stephen Fry, mm. and he says, "Oh dear, I don't know what to do at the airport. There's a huge crowd, but I'll miss my plane if I stop and do photos. Oh dear, don't want to disappoint." Yeah. I think this is an example of a humble brag. That is a that is classic humble brag, right? Because he, he, it's it's like, oh, there is this problem, and I don't want to disappoint people. But I'm talking about the enormous collection of people who are here because I'm here. That yeah. that that is a humble brag. <laughs> the, okay, there's there's another one here which I like. I don't know who this perfect person is, but it is a guy called David Garland, and he, he includes a screenshot with this, by the way. He says, oh, that awkward moment when you go to bodybuilding.com and the graphic on the left side is you. And he has a a picture of bodybuilding.com with, it looks like his advertisement featuring his own shirtless picture on the left side of the page. But he's presenting this as though, oh, it's so awkward that I'm on bodybuilding.com. I can't show my face in public. That, like that is what a humble brag is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I, I just I just wanted to mention that, and so people I don't know just stop sending these things which I don't even know how to describe describe them. But it, it would people would send me anything that was, I guess, a brag, right. is, but but a brag maybe done in a slightly roundabout way i i don't don't even know how to describe the things that people were sending me but i just found it infuriating none of these things are humble brags there needs to be this opposition it can't just be i'm really great and isn't that great Uh, is it a humble brag to say i have this legion of followers who keep tweeting me humble brags but oh no they keep getting it wrong and they aren't really humble brags are you humble bragging (sighs) 
I would I would say I would say no. Um <laughs> because I, I feel like I'm not trying to build myself up in that. Whereas like the like the bodybuilding.com one is different. You're trying to promote you're trying to promote yourself. That sounds like it was a humble ad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking to see if I can find some other ones that are good examples. The, the thing I get sent a little bit, I don't want to say I get sent all the time because uh-huh. I will sound like I'm humble bragging, but the thing I get sent a little bit on Twitter is um, misuse of humble, which is obviously where this whole conversation started with my little complaint about uh-huh. people misusing, saying I've been humbled. So a lot of people are sending those to me. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I find interesting is what they're doing is they're they're finding someone who tweeted it and then they're... They're like doing a retweet like the humble brag, the at humble brag guy does, but they just put me in it as well. They put at Brady Heron in it as well so that I will see it. Mm-hmm. But they don't, very often they don't comment on it. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they just like, you know, and I always wonder if the person who made the original faux pas is wondering why some stranger is tweeting their tweet to this guy called Brady because they're included in the tweet as well. Right, right. Without comment, whether that person's going, what? Why are these people talking about me? I don't mm-hmm. get it because mm-hmm. I don't like I don't reply or anything. So there must just be a little weird moment in their life. Twitter is strange sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just going through the the list here on on Humblebrag, and I'm scrolling down. They have a few from a from a long time ago, which were from the Emmys. There's one guy who has posted a picture of him holding an Emmy. And he says, why am I not smiling in this picture? I have no idea. Or there's another one here complaining, why can't I look cool when I meet Tom Hanks and he hands me an Emmy? (laughs) Instead, I look so nervous. And then there's a picture of them getting handed an Emmy by Tom Hanks. These these are all humble brags. Get your act together, people. Gray doesn't want to hear your humble brags unless they're proper humble brags. Next on our list, follow up. We, well, I was going to say we, it was more you, spoke for quite some time about the design of U.S. state flags. Yes, yes. Uh, There has been considerable discussion about it on Reddit and elsewhere. I think we've both received a lot of tweets and emails. I've probably received more emails, not Mm -hmm. because I'm more popular, but because people realize they should email me if they want to get an email (laughs) to you. Yep, email Uh, Brady. Yep, I now ignore those emails, people, so you could could lay off on those ones. He doesn't. He still (laughs) sends me them. Email Brady. (laughs) Um... That's good, though, because I become like this like filter. Mm-hmm. Like if someone ever emails like wanting to offer you like a large sum of money, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell them, yeah, okay, you know, do the negotiation with me and I'll like do the deal and just t- take a little cut off the top that you never find out about. Maybe. I don't know. That, that could be profitable for both of us if it works out right. I don't know. Um- yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Tell me about... Uh, What's been coming to you and your reflections on that discussion? Yeah, there, yeah. Obviously, it was an incredibly great discussion that I enjoyed listening to me talk about again. And um, <laughs> you just got it on loop. You go to sleep to it every night. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I wanted to point out is people sent me two things in particular where uh, people had redesigned the U.S. state flags, uh, and I saw a whole bunch of these, and I thought there were two that were interesting. Uh, and worth mentioning. I'm just actually. I'll send one to you. Okay. I'm looking at this. United we stand. Yes. Uh, All right. You have to scroll down about a hundred uh, times on this page. Okay. I'm looking at the. Are they the current flags? Are they? Yes. The yeah. scroll down. Scroll down. There is uh, just below. There's actually a, a slightly interesting thing here, which is the the U.S. Oh, yeah, state okay, flag. Okay, these yeah, are the, these are the ones I've looked at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this this first one is a. It, it looks like it's a design project where. 
they decided to do what is sort of the Australia model, which is unify the flags. So can we do all of the flags and give them a similar look? Like almost like having a style guide. Yeah, so like almost having a style guide. And mm. they they settled on a couple points. Uh, the main one, which is the most visually striking right away, is that all of the flags are going to be done in only three colors. Uh, a red, a blue, and a white. So the American colors. Yeah. And they they picked... Uh, there's there's this there's a strange thing which is I, I always run into this whenever I use an American flag in my videos is the actual colors of the official American flag are much darker than people think they are. Hmm. It's not a bright blue and a bright red. They are really dark colors. And uh, if you go to Wikipedia, they have the flag as the official colors. And it almost looks strange because people aren't used to seeing it so dark. I think most flags that people buy, like on a stick that you wave in a parade, those are, I think those are just done brighter than they really are. Yeah. Um, or even a real proper ones, I guess, often got sunlight streaming yeah, yeah, through. Yeah, and, yeah, they've just, yeah. yeah, they've been lightened up for various reasons. So mm. I actually often tweak the colors of the American flag in my own videos. And for my little uh, America country girl, I know I lightened up the colors on, on her skirt because it just looked weird otherwise to use the, the correct I'm colors. surprised you would do that, a stickler for detail like you. I'm disappointed. I think that because I am American, I'm allowed to do it. I, I wouldn't do it with some <laughs> other country's flag, but it's like, ah, I'm American. We can, I'm going to, you know, America this up. <laughs> That's <laughs> our, right. our own flag is not American enough. The sign of our freedom has to be someone actually tweaking those colors in a video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, this re this redesign, what they've done is they they too have decided that the traditional colors are too dark, and they've gone with very bright uh, blue, a very light bright blue, and a bright red color, and they have picked a few elements, stars and stripes, and tried to do all of the fifty flags with a unified look. And um, actually, do you have any, you, you have looked at it, do you have any thoughts on this redesign? I'm just well, curious. first of all, can I just say to all of those people who are listening to this podcast in audio format, which is 100% of you, mm -hmm. apologies that we're talking about things we're looking at on a computer screen. No, this is, this is <laughs> going to be a theme. <laughs> um, for those of you who have, who have gone to the show notes and called up this page and is looking at the same thing I'm looking at, uh, my thoughts are... A kind of bland, boring sameness. I have to say, mm -hmm. I am. It all looks just like a, you know, they're, they're they're cool. I imagine each on their own would be cool, but when you see them all together, it looks a bit too samey, mm -hmm. and none of them catch my eye. Like I don't look and look at one and think Texas, or look at one and think California. I just look at it and think there's a whole bunch of flags that are all kind of similar. Mm -hmm. It it's funny because it's my thought too. Now. First, we have to we have to agree, as all right-thinking people do, that almost anything is better than the current state of the state <laughs> flags, which is just hideous. So this is this is this is better, but it's interesting because I would have expected that I would like this a lot more than I actually do, mm. and I would almost have described something just like this if you had asked me, "What would you do with the flags if you were going to try to unify them?" And I would think I would probably make all the exact same design decisions that this group has done as well. Let's let's standardize the colors. Let's standardize design elements. I I like a lot of these individual designs. Mm. I mean, of, I mean, of course, obviously, Maryland is made vastly inferior because Maryland has the best flag, and so you know they had to change all the colors with Maryland. It's like, oh, what a shame to lose that beautiful flag. Um, 
Is that the one that had the yellow and black check? Yeah, on the it? yellow and black checks with the red and white crosses. Yes, that's, that's a disaster. disaster. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, it, uh, it's a disaster. <laughs> beautiful. Um, so yes, I, I was very interested by this design because, like I said, I expected to like it a lot more than I actually do. I still think it is a, a great bit of design work, and some of the if you go through all fifty, if you are a flag nut, they've made some interesting choices about what the representation should, should be for various states. If you if you're familiar with the states at all, I think it's it's interesting to see. But I agree. I think it's almost too bland, and I wonder if fifty is just too many to try and standardize. Except, and now I'm going to send you the second link. So here's okay. the other thing I want you to take a look at. Okay, I'm uh, waiting. I'll put it on Skype. This is Winter is Coming. So what have they? They've done this using a motif of the the banners in Game of Thrones, have they? So it's like House Connecticut, House Idaho. They've done them like the. These are good. So now I I don't know if I've never seen Game of Thrones. You have seen Game of Thrones. I'm a big fan. Yes. I'm assuming that this. I will rely on you to to say that this is some. There's some. The houses in the yeah, show are, there are done four like or, this. There are four or five or a bit more houses, and each one has a very distinctive banner. Uh, you know that they will take into battle, mm-hmm. and is, mm-hmm. and they look just like these things, and it, it becomes a big part of the show. Like the House of Stark have have these wolves. On mm-hmm. theirs and things like that. I think the House of Lannister is that a line on the Lannister house? I think. Um, so yeah, th- these houses each have a very distinctive motif, and these these are a they're an important part of the show. But are these done uh, along that design? Like, do they look? Yes, like they yes, are? They, yeah. These look like they've come out of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, so someone's done each state flag and kind of Game of Throned it, so it looks mm-hmm. like it should be on a on a staff being carried by a soldier mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. battle, and they're very very good. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed by these. Yeah. So th- this is my thought as well, is that this this Game of Thrones state flag redesign, I love. Mm. But the interesting thing about it is this is this is consistent as well. They all look related, but but without the sameness of the previous redesign. And mm. so I thought these two were an interesting comparison because I look at the first one and I think, oh, maybe 50 flags is just too many to try to have them have a theme. But then there's this Game of Thrones one, I think boy, is this awesome. And they, they still look coherent, but they're distinct enough from each other. And I really like it. I think it, some of them are just the state should just immediately adopt these designs. I mean, the thing is, I mean, part of the thing that makes these consistent, though, is um, is quite, is almost more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost a... They're much more detailed. It, but it's also like they've got like a distressedness to them, like they look like they're aged and they've got things you couldn't do with a real flag. That's part of what makes them cohesive is they've kind of been, uh, they've had like a filter almost, for lack of a better term, put to them. Mm. Yeah, there, there's a fake aged filter mm. over them. It's relatively subtle, but it is there. Mm. That helps but, make it a more coherent set. But I think but it yeah. helps make it more coherent. But I, mm. I would still say what I think is interesting scrolling through them is to see that they clearly are using a limited but wider color palette. Yes. So the, the yellows keep repeating, the greens, the blues, they are all in the same feel. They're excellent. But, People should have a look. They're really yeah. good. So th- th- these are my these are my favorite, and I think almost every state would be improved immediately, either by adopting the first one, which is not my favorite, but I still think it is better, or immediately adopting any of the Game of Thrones <laughs> style flags for their state. Yeah, so sigils. I, that's I like it. This. They call them sigils, don't they? In Game of Thrones, the thing is something I wanted to ask you when yeah. we were discussing the state flags last time. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of we I think we kind of I think I said and you. 
half agreed that perhaps the problem with state flags was when they're created, they're created by presumably governments and committees and things like that. And there Mm -hmm. are people pulling in all different directions and each state would have had different pressures and different people. And Mm -hmm. so not only is each flag compromised, but each flag has been compromised in subtly different ways. Mm -hmm. And you end up with this enormous hodgepodge Mm -hmm. and that's bad. Mm -hmm. But, But the thing is, when you look at all the flags of the nations of the world, like on a big map, why don't they have that problem? When you look at all the flags of the world, They're actually pretty good. Like, there are very few duds, very few fall into the traps that you would say the state flags have fallen into. And there's not, it's not like there are rules on uh, international flags, as far as I know. I I imagine any country can do what it wants. And yet, somehow, they've all kind of, it's like they've all almost cooperated. And when you look at all the flags of all the countries, it's okay. It kind of makes sense. You don't look at that and think, we need to start again, like you do with the state flags. What has happened on this international level that didn't happen when the states came up with their flags? I don't know. That's an, that's an interesting question. I, th- I, I feel like you are, you are right about that, that all the, the world flags look better as a bunch. I don't know. M- maybe there is less design by committee for the individual nation flags. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if that if that's true. I would say that there are definitely some duds on the world stage, but not very flags. many. Not many when you consider like you know international tastes and things like that. Like there aren't there aren't many bad ones. That's true. What we should do, I, I think, I would need to prepare for it and to take take a thorough look at this. But we could have a whole episode just on the world flags. We could oh, talk yeah. about their design. That would be great. Yeah. I'm sure people would love that. Um, I'm sure you would. <laughs> I would. I yeah. would love that a lot. <laughs> I'd be up for that. We'll do that sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, which, what I was actually, you just reminded me one more thing, which is, uh, uh, sorry, I need to look North American. This is what happens when I don't prepare. <laughs> one of us needs to prepare. One of us needs to prepare. It cannot be me. Uh, okay. Drink. I'm just pouring a drink, by the way. I'm not like wetting myself in case you can hear that. <laughs> I cannot hear that, but thank All right. you. All right. Um, you, men- you mentioned that there are there are no rules for flags. About a hundred people after that episode must have sent me this link to the North American Vexicological Association, which mm. has a guideline called the Five Basic Principles of Flag Design, and they they have some guidelines which I think are are interesting. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll just run through them really quickly. This is a checklist, is it? It's sort of it's well it's it is a it is guidelines. <laughs> guidelines. This is where I always find the world of design really interesting. It's something Number I, one. I, I yeah, I know nothing breakfast. about. But. Eat breakfast before designing your flag. Now you were just trying to rile me. Uh, so the, the the basic guideline is um, number one is it should be simple, and their their suggestion is that it should be simple enough that a child could reproduce it from memory. The second one is to use meaningful symbolism. Hmm. The third is to use no more than three basic colors. Mm. Number four, which I definitely approve of, no words. <laughs> Don't put <laughs> words of any kind on your flag. And then number five, uh, which relates to our discussion of the state flags, is be distinctive or be related. So either stand on your own or be connected to things that are similar to your own. And they go through, they have a whole bunch of uh, examples of good good design and 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 bad design both with the colors or with the simplicity of or being able to um 
being able to reproduce it from memory. And what I like is that they perfectly acknowledge that these are guidelines, that you can still have good flags that break these rules. And what I absolutely love is their number one example of a flag that is hideous but still works is, let me guess, can let me you guess, guess it? <laughs> is it Maryland? It is Maryland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that. I thought, well, this is great. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, I can't respect the people that make a list that give you five guidelines and then say, by the way, number six is you don't have to follow the previous five. You can't respect that? Yeah, it's like, it's like here are the rules for designing a flag and, by the way, you don't have to follow the rules. Like, well, okay. Well, that's well what the, this is and, and like half those rules were like the most obvious thing in the world anyway. Like, make sure your symbols have meaning. Yeah. Oh, they, thanks, thanks for the advice. I was about to put, you know, the planet Jupiter on my flag for Idaho you, you until you told <laughs> until you gave me that brilliant advice. You think they're simple, but most of the state flags ignore a bunch of those rules. Uh, they have words well, no, all they're, they're over just, the place. Just from, a just million from... colors. No child could ever possibly draw it. <laughs> I would say half the flags fail on points one through three immediately and then be distinctive or be related. Nobody can agree there on what's happening with the flags. So That's I mean, okay. They're just following rule number six, which said you don't have to follow the rules. I guess maybe, but... <laughs> I, I I disagree. You would think that I would be the one who would say you have to follow these rules, but this this really is where I am. I'm endlessly fascinated by how design works, and I don't understand it at all. And I I you know I've read books on design, and I, I find all this stuff really interesting. And I just I I am not good at design, which is why I'm I'm so interested in this. And I don't understand why things look good sometimes and why things don't look good. I, I find this a fascinating topic, and. I, it just it seems obvious to me that there there may be considerations, but somehow people can break these rules and stuff still works. But how do you know when to break those rules? I need a I need a checklist for rule breakingness. But you, <laughs> uh, but you but that by that by definition can't exist. So um, anyway, well, I, I wanted to just throw that in there because everybody sent it to me and I thought it was interesting. Speaking of design, uh-huh. next on our list of follow up is has an artistic bent. And that is we have had a little bit more movement in the, I mean, we jokingly call it fan art, but it's probably, that's probably not the right word for it. Uh, uh, creations from people who appreciate the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been, we've posted them on the subreddit previously, and there's been mm-hmm. a bit of chat mm-hmm. on social media about it, but we should talk about it here on the podcast. Uh, one was a song mm-hmm. and associated animation music clip that went with it created by a couple of guys who we've kind of crossed paths with. Uh, Alan Stewart, mm-hmm. who I who makes a lot of music for my uh, videos, wrote a jingle for the Brady's Paper Cut segment, mm-hmm. sent it to us. Mm-hmm. You, you've heard it, haven't you? I have heard it. I have heard it. Yeah. And then he collaborated with, I'm going to try and say this, forgive me, Knut. I think is how you pronounce his name. He's an artist uh, who has been doing some pictures of us previously. He animated Alan's song and they put it together on YouTube. So there was a a Brady's paper cut uh, song and film and, and and you star in it, of course, the robot gray and caveman Brady. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people liked it. They said a lot of people liked it, including us. Yeah. I think, I think it was really good. We put it on the, on the subreddit for people to talk about. I'll put a link in the show notes for people to check out. And uh, yeah, it was it was very cute. Uh, Alan is is good at writing songs, and 
Knut, who I think of in my head as Kitty Ninja Fish, since that's his deviant art name. Yes. Uh, does really cute little uh, d- uh, diagrams to go along with them. So the, it, it, it was really great. People should check it out and we will put the link in the show notes. What do you think? I mean, it's funny that this Knut's portrayal of you, which started with those drawings mm-hmm. and then was used in his animation and has now been used by other animators mm-hmm. as the way of animating you. So this has become your official uh, physical form in the animation world, <laughs> which is this kind of ro- glasses-wearing robot that goes around on like one wheel on the end of a stalk or something. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think of this portrayal? The, I mean, a glasses-wearing robot, that sounds about right. The one-wheel thing is a little weird. I'm not sure how, how quite how I feel about that, but I can understand from an animation perspective why you would pick that. It makes it look more interesting. I think it makes the, the robot, which has no facial expressions at all, basically. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a it, very it, expressive robot, though. Like you do, It does become very expressive in its movements and reactions yes, but, to things. Yes, but I, I, I think that the wheel, the one-wheel, is, is kind of what... Uh, what makes that and the bendable body. So it, it is, it is interesting to see how um, people end up embodying a character version of you. And I, I don't know if this is exactly uh, comparable, but do you have, have you ever seen or listened to uh, the Ricky Gervais show? Yes. Yes. I, yeah, I did. I, I liked that a lot back in the day. So the, the, is the, um, what I'm thinking of is, I didn't follow this very closely, but he he had a podcast, and then it was turned into an animated series. I think yeah, is the exactly. Yeah, they just took the the old podcasts and a company animated them. Yes, mm-hmm. and so I, I I feel that it's it's a similar interesting thing because I I know what those three guys, uh, Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, and Carl Pilkington. Thank you very much. I was blanking on his name. I know what they look like in real life, and they they have cartoon versions of themselves. And it's it's a similar kind of thing. It's sort of them, but it's sort of not them at all. Uh, and that's it's a it's a funny thing to have happen. So I, I am fully in favor of the this kind of robot robot uh, depiction of myself. Like I said, but I still feel like robots can look different. Whereas cavemen, everybody knows what a caveman looks like. How do you feel about being a caveman? Well, I don't know. I guess I deserve it, but. The funny thing is, like, this caveman, that version of me that Knut does is kind of this oafish, uh, you know. Is he oafish or well, is he's he ca- charming? He's kind of, oh, that's nice of you to think. But the funny thing is that he kind of is this oafish, weird, uh, not, you know, not appealing. He's not like your dream man. And yet he is more attractive looking than I am. So I'm I'm actually quite happy with it because I think he's made me better looking. So I think uh, I'll take it. The... Um, the, th- the thing I find, this, because there's also been this second video that was made by another animator. Yes. And and is it a he? I assume it's a he for some reason. I think because I saw the name. Um, he or she mm-hmm. took a couple of little clips from the podcast and animated them as well. Mm-hmm. And I found that really interesting to look at as well, to see us talking, you know, with no intent, no video intent or anything, mm. and seeing it turned into a video. It was quite a fun thing as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it's cute. It's uh, Dovsky is the name. He took a bunch of stuff and made a minute long animation out of it. And I think it is adorable and surprisingly funny. 
Uh, yeah. When, when you take the best bits of the show and just condense them down into one minute and add some funny yeah. little animations along with it. There's probably only about one minute of funniness in the average Hello Internet podcast. So Sounds about right. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just, he could just condense that whole show to one minute and save us a whole lot of trouble. Yes, maybe. The um, I have found, I found it, like, I mean, we've both been making these YouTube videos for long enough mm-hmm. that we've probably gotten used to people who enjoy them contacting us and doing nice things like drawing pictures and things like that to a point where maybe it's no longer a huge novelty, but it's still like, it's nice, but it's not a huge novelty, but I'm finding people doing it with the podcast, like a whole brand new novelty. Like it's like, it's like starting again from the very start because they're doing it in different ways and they're treating Mm -hmm. it in different ways. And I have actually found that like really good fun. I've really liked Mm -hmm. it. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. The I think it's also partly just that the podcast is of much smaller scale, and it feels much more intimate. Yeah, it, it, both in the on the listeners' end. I mean, I can I can understand that feeling. We, we've discussed before that when you when you listen to someone on a podcast, you feel like you get to know them really well, even though you don't. Hmm. Um, and so I I can understand that, and then. We both are actively participating in the conversation that happens on Reddit after each one of these shows. And I feel like that is a big part of the show as well, hmm. is the interaction afterward. I mean, the number of comments are just are just crazy. But it's it's very fun to interact and it's it's in, it's fun to see to see the, this kind of feedback. And and yes, I, I'm I am much more aware and engaged with the podcast feedback than I am with some of the video feedback because hmm. the video feedback just feels so overwhelmingly large sometimes that yeah. it's it's a, it's a little bit hard to to deal with and and there are places where i have consciously turned that off like i've discussed i don't really look at the youtube comments for example mm. uh so it's it's just a different it's a different experience but yes it, it has been very fun uh seeing seeing the creations that people have or the thing that i have been surprised at are the are the little running jokes that that happen on twitter where people will uh, you know, reference just a, just an offhanded comment or something, but it's it's that same feeling of oh, there's there's an ongoing little joke in this this little corner of the internet, and I I really like it. I, I yeah. like it a lot. The one thing I do want to clarify or correct mm-hmm. from the paper cuts jingle, mm-hmm. there is a line in the song that suggests that I I do not like it when people know that I have unfollowed them on Twitter. <laughs> oh yes. I am neutral on that. The thing I don't like is when they confront me and ask me why I unfollowed them. If oh, they're if right, like a stranger. Right. Just for the just for the record, because you know we're stick we're sticklers for that kind of thing here. We are. <laughs> you you you've written here Brady Antlers. Oh yes. <laughs> this was I absolutely love this. Have you you saw this thing? Uh you know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure I do yet. It's not okay, it's on, not look. ringing a bell. Did you see this image? Uh, sorry, hang on. I'm calling it up now. Oh, actually, yeah, I had seen that. Okay, so I, I, <laughs> this this is one of my favorite memeified little things uh, that I've seen so far, which is it is a, a scene from Beauty and the Beast. I think I think that's Gaston uh, in in the center image, where someone it is Gaston the villain. 
but he is in his his wood house and there are antlers all across the walls from all of his his successful huntings and someone has just pasted your face over Gaston's face who is sitting in his chair being very happy and it just says I use antlers in all of my decorating and I think this picture is just great I really like this this got this got quite a big laugh out of me uh so yes whoever whoever made that thumbs up I really approve I thought it was great Thank I got you. quite a laugh I showed it to my wife. She really laughed. And uh, yes, I thought that's, this was just, this was, this is perfect. I'm definitely um, removing all antlers from the house before inviting you and your wife over here. <laughs> no, <laughs> you always misunderstand. You no, because I know what it'll do. You'll be giving each other knowing looks and sniggering we, behind my back. I can, I can never make you understand my position on this. Or I think you're just intentionally riling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I don't want antlers in my house. It's perfectly fine to have antlers in your house. Actually, we were just discussing the other day that from the photos that we have seen, you have an excellent design aesthetic in your house. It just happens to not be our aesthetic, but that's because we're different people. But it is rare to have oh, to even be like, in someone's that's, house. That would be people. like if I met up with you and I said, oh, Gray, what do you think of my new trousers? And you said, well, they're good for you, but I wouldn't wear them. That That is never a compliment. I, I, you uh, I, I mean it so genuinely. But you are refusing to understand. What do you think um, of my new video, Gray? Well, I think it's a good video for you to make, but I would never make that video. I think that's a reasonable thing to say when people make very different videos. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I really like this. Uh, it was one of my, my favorite pieces of fan art so far. Again, I, I still do not. I am not comfortable with the word fan, but people seem to call it fan art. I don't yeah, know. Is it, it, it's fan art, but it's from. it's not quite like that. I think yeah. I, th- I think people understand our concern with the term. Yeah, I never. I, I, I do. I, I sometimes try to think of a, a better word to use than fan. I, sometimes I, I will use the word follower, but then that's also weird. I don't. I don't like that word yeah. either. I mean, Jesus had followers. He didn't have fans. So yeah, maybe we uh, yeah. should stick with fans. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's even worse. I don't know. I would love to hear suggestions from people, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is maybe this is just the uncomfortableness of, of being in this position because it doesn't seem like other people have a problem with being fans. And I will use the word fan to describe myself for things that I really like. So I, I don't know. This episode of Hello Internet is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code HelloInternet. Squarespace has been around for 10 years, and they are constantly improving their platform with new features, new design, and even better support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with that have a ton of style options, so you can create a unique website for you or your business. And every design automatically includes a mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content looks great on every device, every time. And Squarespace is easy to use with simple drag-and-drop tools, but if you need help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And while we're talking about that support team, they really are quite amazing. There was recently something on my website that I wanted to change the look of, and I wasn't quite sure how to do it on my own. I ended up recording a little bit of my screen so I could show the support person what it was that I wanted, and I sent them an email and a link to the Dropbox file where they could see the little video that I had made. An actual support human got back to me before the file on Dropbox had even finished uploading. And this was early in the morning London time, which is middle of the night America time. 
Their support team is so fast that a human will get back to you before your Dropbox file can even upload that you want to show them. So it's really, really quite impressive the amount of support that you get with Squarespace. So Squarespace is good for everyone, whether you need a simple website solution or you're a developer and want to get into the code, there are so many options and it starts for just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So start a trial today with no credit card required and build your website. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code HelloInternet, all one word, to get 10% off and show your support for Hello Internet. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. I feel like we do need to follow up on your scathing, unfair review of the movie Her. Uh, was it unfair? I don't think it was unfair. Well, I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you what. If it wasn't unfair, I'll tell you what was unfair. Uh-huh. It was unfair of you, knowing that you think this film is a thumbs down and should not be watched, and you would recommend not watching it to people. That you assigned it as what homework you, no, to all you, of our you, followers. No, you're, you, you, you always asked. do this. You put words in my mouth. I know. I didn't say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend this. I gave it a thumbs down, but, but the whole reason I wanted to talk about it is I thought it was an interesting it was an interesting movie to discuss. And there are definitely things that you can watch that you don't necessarily like, but that you can say are worth watching. Well, hang on. What what value is a thumbs down if you still think people should watch the film? What 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 Well, first of all, the real value of that film was in listening to us discuss it later. So you had to okay, so- you had to watch the movie to fully enjoy the section <laughs> where we talk about the movie to fully appreciate <laughs> yes. our, our wit and banter. Yeah. Yes, our incredibly insightful commentary. <laughs> you need to really watch the film in order to to pick mm. up on that. So I, I I I didn't I didn't tell people oh go watch this movie it's it's an awesome movie and also it's homework right people don't always like their homework and that's what this was this was homework assigned to you to watch the movie. And I I wouldn't do this for a movie that um that is just terrible and has no redeeming value. Because today's homework is we want everyone to watch Transformers three. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. We're going to watch Transformers three. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. But that's why I, I have no problem assigning that for homework. I I, I feel I feel no. Uh, no conflict in this. I still have a problem with your thumbs up or thumbs down classification. Yeah, I have problems with it too, but I I, I, I think that the number scales for movies can get weirdly arbitrary fast. It's hard to, it's hard to know what it is. Not means. as fast as your scale, where you are either in the category of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Citizen Kane, or you get dumped with all the Transformers movies, which is no, where you put her. I, I disagree. You, I d- in the grey classification system, no, her is on that. the exact same level as the Transformers movies. So it's bad. in the thumbs down category. So They're all, all there together on the same shelf. No, no, that's. Explain the, the to me thumb, that. Oh, the so thumb- you have got a grading system that you're not telling me about, or what's going on here? All right, the the thumb the thumbs up thumbs down thing is a question of of expectations about a movie. It's it is the whole point of it is to not rank all of the movies from Citizen Kane to Transformers. That that is a fundamentally meaningless endeavor. And I'll, I'll give you an example of of um 
Okay, so here's a movie. Do you know the movie uh, Armageddon with Bruce Willis from the late 90s? I've been thinking about that film all day because I just made a video about that probe that's gone to the comet. So I, I've been <laughs> thinking about that film all day. I love that film. It's terrible okay, yeah. and I love it. That, well, th- that is a movie I would give thumbs up to Armageddon. But, <laughs> right? but so Armageddon's better than her. No, you, no you, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say here. Actually, uh, I don't. I can't. No, I don't think I do. You tell me what you're trying to say here. My my feeling of, of the thumbs up, thumbs down thing is, you are looking at a movie. It is called Armageddon. Bruce Willis is on the front, and it's about a, a comet smashing into the Earth. You have some notion that maybe this is not going to be an entirely serious movie, and you you are going to watch that movie to be just straight up entertained, and. I think that Armageddon succeeds in that mightily. I really like Armageddon. Honest to God, I get emotionally moved at that president's speech at the end of the movie every time. Uh, I think it is great. <laughs> I, I want to cheer that president on. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, every impossible reach towards the stars has brought us towards this moment. Like, this is great. Hurrah. Like, I'm clapping. <laughs> but I know it's totally dumb. I, 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 but the movie just, movies are so funny in this way that, that they can sometimes sweep you away despite despite yourself because on an intellectual level i can know boy this movie is really dumb boy nothing is even remotely scientifically accurate in this movie or these (laughs) things would never happen this way but there's tons of stuff where i just don't care the ridiculous training montage in armageddon you know what i love it every time it's stupid what are they even doing it doesn't make any sense i don't care at all and it's impossible to say why some movies pull that off and other movies don't. And so that's why I give that movie a thumbs up. It is successful at being what it is. So you're saying it's a bit like if Tiger Woods shoots around a golf in 76, he's had a bad day. And if I go around in 95, I've had a miracle day. So I, I deserve more credit than Tiger Woods for exceeding expectations. I have, I don't, I have no ability you don't know to what any of that means to you. Yeah, I don't I have no understanding. Uh, <laughs> doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> you're, 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 you're saying like, it's like if a little kid makes a, a finger painting, you say, well done and pat them no, on the back. No, but if no, Picasso okay, well, has an off day, you're like, well, that's just not as good as your usual stuff, Picasso. So thumbs down for you. Where, th- where the kid gets a thumbs up. Now, kids are different. Kids are different. I've never seen a kid do something impressive. They're always showing you things. <laughs> it's not impressive. Uh, I've seen better paintings than that kid. Oh, look at this. It's great. No, it isn't. It's not good. I feel like it's so clear in my mind. The only, the only thing that I would want to add to the, the thumbs up, thumbs down thing is a, is a meh. Like, like a bunch of movies you just don't care either It's almost way. like your problem with her is that it was nearly, a, it was nearly, it was nearly life changing. And because it didn't quite get there, you're like saying, well, I don't want anything to do with you at all then because you... Because you were nearly great, whereas because Armageddon wasn't nearly great, you're like, okay, well, you didn't, you didn't, te- you didn't tease me. That's not that's that's not too inaccurate. I, I find that stuff more frustrating. The almost perfect stuff is way more frustrating than just total garbage that you don't care about or things that are are indifferent. And so, yes, I think you, you, for for me, a movie like that, it is it is. Aiming very high and, in my estimation, fails at what it is aiming at. And so, thumbs down, movie. Thumbs down. Uh, of I'm course, standing by it. Of course, the reason you watched this film in the first place was because Mrs. Gray put it on. And, yes. and we have had viewers ask, what did Mrs. Gray <laughs> yeah. think of it? 
Yeah, I saw I saw people in the, in the Reddit ask about that because we didn't bring it up. We did mention that your wife liked it more than you did. I think is fair. To yeah, say. she loves it. I've and got some. I'll I'll tell you something else about her feedback in a minute. But let's hear what Mrs. Gray thought. <laughs> yes. So uh, Mrs. Gray actually just listened to episode seventeen the other day, and <laughs> her as did as did Mrs. <laughs> Well, Mrs. Number Four. <laughs> uh, her opinion was, she just thought I, w- I was being too kind in the podcast. <laughs> and I-, I said on the Reddit, which I think is true, is that her thumbs down makes my thumbs down look like an enthusiastic thumbs up. For, <laughs> if, if you think I didn't like this movie, she really didn't like this movie. Really? Uh, much, much more in- intensely than myself. So she she thinks I am being far too kind to the movie and and well, she, well, she is at, almost just an in, inarticulate ball of rage at this movie. <laughs> as well, as a, as a as a woman who is not only in a relationship but is married to a machine, <laughs> I have to respect her opinion. <laughs> Do you know what my wife pointed out something that neither of us noticed about mm-hmm. the film, which I mm-hmm. think makes it even cleverer. Mm-hmm. She thinks the fact that Scarlett johansson ended up being like she was that kind of hi how you doing girlfriend type thing rather than i've checked your emails there are three unread you've got to be at the shops at 3 30 p.m to pick up milk Mm -hmm. the fact that that's what scarlett johansson became is actually the beauty of the operating system the operating systems became adapted to the people they were serving and became what the people they're serving need. And when you're a sad, lonely guy who's a bit romantic and has just coming out of a breakup, exactly what Theodore needed at that time was just like a girlfriend. And there's a few things dropped into the film that hint at that because when you see the relationship between Amy Adams and her operating system that she uh, uses in her time of need, Hers is like a buddy, like a mate. Mm -hmm. And my wife was saying, and that's exactly what women are like. When women go through a breakup, they kind of just want like a mate that they can joke around with and talk about how rubbish men are. And that's exactly what an operating system becomes for Amy Adams. Theodore, like men, you know, kind of are a bit more, they kind of, I think, you know, seek a new relationship and want to feel loved and attractive. And that's exactly what his operating system became. And there's another hint to that earlier in the film when Theodore before he has the operating system is going through that kind of dating dating process and he's going through all the voices and he's skipping all these certain genres of women and then there's a certain one comes on that takes his fancy and he and he talks to that one and that one is very much like what Scarlett Johansson becomes so it's almost like earlier in the film they're setting up the idea that the operating system is already going to know what he wants and what appeals to him and molds itself to that, that earlier history. And I thought that was an interesting observation. Whether it's right or not, I don't know. But it was something we didn't discuss. Yeah, we didn't discuss it, but I, I thought that was, I mean, that was the whole point of the, the setup process. Like Scar- Scarlett Johansson is is based on those initial questions of the computer reading yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I, kn- I know we talked about the fact it adapts to him, but in such a specific way. But the stuff with Amy Adams passed me by. The fact that her relationship with the operating system was completely different. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and much more. Anyway, they also mentioned that there there are operating systems that totally hate their users as yeah. as background in that. So it's not not for everybody. But there were a um, a few people recommended things to watch 
that that we should watch afterwards. Uh, one of them was a series of television programs that aired a while ago in the UK. And that they were produced by a guy called Charlie Brooker, who I'm a really big fan of his his writing and and his television work. Uh, and he was behind this series called Black Mirror, mm-hmm. which was a series of uh, sort of 45 minute programs, mm-hmm. uh, each self-contained and each a kind of little piece sort of either reflecting society or looking forward on society and looking at some of the darker aspects of society, H- hence the Black Mirror name, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had seen them before. Uh, I think maybe you hadn't, but have since? Yeah, I hadn't seen them, and this was well done in the Reddit where people recommended them, but this is exactly what should you, what you should do if you want me to actually want something. They recommended something, but basically didn't describe it at all Mm. uh because that that is not what i really want in a recommendation and what i'm looking for is an aggregate number of recommendations and so in the discussion i noticed that a whole bunch of people mentioned black mirror and also didn't say anything about it they just said you should watch black mirror Mm. and so and i happened to have uh one night to myself where i thought oh you know people mentioned this Uh, um it's the end of the day i'm tired i'm not gonna do any work let me let me try this out Mm. and I didn't know that Charlie Brooker was involved. I knew nothing about this. I just, I just put it on. And I thought these were great. They were, they were really, really captivating. Uh, did you watch like all three parts. in the first series or what ones did you watch? Yeah. So I, I, I watched all of them over the course of, of two days. I just basically binged it, uh, especially because these are, these are episodes. Uh, it's really like almost like a modern Twilight Zone is the, cl- is the closest thing that I can say. And if you know that, you also know that knowing anything about any of the episodes would just totally ruin it. And so as soon as I saw the first couple and I thought, man, these are great. Suddenly I'm worried about spoilers. And so I thought, (laughs) well, I have to watch all of them right now because I'm just going to be worried that I'm going to accidentally run into a spoiler for one of these things now that I've started watching it. Should we not talk about it too much now and maybe set it as uh, voluntary homework and talk about it another time? Or do you want to talk about them now or? Because you, uh, having having said what you just said, that people shouldn't be told about them before watching. Um. Well, how about p- people skip for a few minutes, maybe, <laughs> or pause and watch Black Mirror? We'll talk about it now. Yeah, pause and watch Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> people, pause it people and then did come that. back in six hours. <laughs> people, people did that in the last episode. People said they were listening. And when mm. we got to the her part, they paused and went and watched her. And then mm-hmm. came back and listened to the second half of the podcast. I can't believe that people have the self-restraint to do that. I'm, I'm quite surprised. Yeah. Um, so, I, I know. I, I guess there's there's not – maybe we can talk about some of the episodes a little bit later. But the the, the one that I just uh, – I think is, is worth following up is – it is an episode called Be Back Soon. And I think it is episode one of season two. Ah, oh, I probably haven't watched that one then. I haven't watched series two. Oh come on, man! Sorry, man. I watched season one, and I even rewatched. I sent you. I sent you the titles of the ones to watch. Oh. What, did you, what did you think was going on? Ah, oh, forget. Now we have to stop. Okay, now it is homework. Thanks, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everyone. I'm sorry, everyone. I sent you the titles. I have seen Moon, but I saw that. This is not Black Mirror anymore, by the way, everyone. This is the movie yeah. Moon. <laughs> okay. Um, I have seen that movie quite a while ago now though i saw that when it was quite new so my memory of it is hazy 
But uh, that's okay. I'll just I mention it briefly because I think it is an interesting follow up. Hmm. Uh, this was this was the other thing. There were two things that people mentioned all the time. One was Black Mirror, and the other was Moon. Yeah, people gave a little too much information about Moon when trying to recommend it. I think people just don't aren't sensitive to how little information can be spoilers. Yes, but unfortunately, I had actually seen the trailer for Moon a long time ago, and I am cursed with this terrible memory in general. But I can remember every every single scene in a trailer. And then when I watch the movie, my brain is just counting down the scenes that are left <laughs> that I haven't seen yet. And I, I have just had that ruin so many movies for me where I've just seen a single freaking clip and then it just it rushes everything. Like yeah. uh, Attack the Block was a, a, an alien movie that takes place in the UK. Right. And there was a single frame that I saw by accident once about it and then... The whole movie, I'm waiting for that frame, which of course is at the end of the change. Anyway. It's amazing uh, so- what can ruin a film too, because sometimes people just saying, oh, I love that film. It's got like such a good ending. I'm like, don't tell me that. Because yeah, even, yeah. even that is ruining something because maybe when you're watching it, it could have a really bad ending yeah, or this a, is, a crap yeah. ending. So, And I want that to still be on the table when I'm watching a film. Yeah, this is this is also the, I think I mentioned it before, but the frustrating thing of people saying, oh, this is a great movie and it has a twist. That's a spoiler. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Telling someone there's a twist is ruining the twist. It, it doesn't matter if you haven't told the difference. But anyway, so people recommended Moon a little too much information in those recommendations, people. But I had seen the trailer, so I didn't mind. Um, but uh, I, so just as a quick, obviously, spoilers for Moon coming up here. But a, a quick little follow up that I, I thought was interesting to mention is that I was complaining about too much computer racism at the end of the last of, of her, where you have the the voices in movies that are computers are generally the villains or computers are usually the villains in movies. And Moon did a very interesting take on that. And the, the brief setup is that there is a guy and he is working on this moon base all by himself. And there is a robot that is working alongside of him. And the robot is Kevin Spacey. And basically this movie, I thought, did a really good job of using your expectation that the robot is going to be the villain against you in the movie. Like you, you are waiting for Ke- this, this robot voiced by Kevin Spacey, which is voiced in this very monotone way uh, to turn evil. And he never does, but they, they clearly play with your expectations. Mm. And I, th- I thought, it, I thought it was interesting and it was really well done. And what I really liked this is just, you know, for future writers of, of, of robots, what I cannot stand in, in robot or computer movies is the other comical, absurd moment where the, the computer outgrows its programming or, you know, it like suddenly develops feelings or something dumb like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, I guess it's not a robot then. I guess it's magic. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is suddenly changes the whole nature of the story. What I really liked in Moon was that they kept things consistent, that from the robot's perspective, it was programmed to assist the main character. And it turns out that it is assisting the main character in, in a in a way that seems to be operating against what it's there to do. But I thought it was handled perfectly. The robot never does anything inconsistent. Yeah. It thinks like, oh, my, my job is, is to help the main character. And that's what I'm going to do. And he really does help the main character. And it's it was it was a really kind of touching uh little emotional response to this robot, especially because that movie again highlighted in some ways the robot is indifferent, but he is also just there to help and he, he wants to help Sam Rockwell. So anyway, people recommended Moon. I liked it. I thought it was good. It's a very good uh, film. It's a very yeah. good film. Do you know what? <sighs> what? That's the end of follow-up. Hey, actually, actually, 
I don't know if you want to talk about this. I have a question for you. Wow. I do. Go, I do. Gray, you journalist. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a total journalist. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I am curious. I'm people nervous. Not, people see, ah, suddenly the, 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 everything is turned right around. It's like the robot's outgrown itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am curious. People may not know this, but you do not swear. I do not. Uh, well, there are, it depends on your definition of swearing, but there, well, are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, are, there are certain words I say that people would consider a swear word, but most of the classic swear words- <laughs> The classics. I, I, do, I don't and have never said, not even once. So I, I, am, I am curious as to why this is, or, or what, is, what is your reasoning behind this? There, there is no, um, there kind of is no reasoning. Uh-huh. Like, it, the reason I don't do it now is it's a bit like an unbeaten streak. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it'll be a bit like, say like, you know, my wife will sometimes say, go on, just say, you know, whatever word, she'll say the word. Uh, mm-hmm. Go on, just say it just once for me. Because <laughs> she swears a bit. And so she, she would find it funny if I swore. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do it. Because once I do it, like, I can't. I've lost that little, I've lost the streak of having never said that word. So, I mean, when you say never, you mean never from childhood, never? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I was probably, I was probably a good boy and told not to swear when I was young and I was quite. <laughs> and you just listened? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, my, my mum was a formidable person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would probably would not do something that she didn't want me to do and mm-hmm. you know of all the of all the things that most things i was told not to do as a little boy i then did eventually uh but that's just one that i didn't and i still don't so i don't swear uh, you know there are some words like i said there are some words that would be classify as a swear word that i will say yeah, yeah uh, well yeah the, uh, the swear, swear words are remarkably ambiguous yeah, yeah. even as i discovered when making podcasts apple has a has a requirement that you label a podcast explicit if certain words are spoken yeah but there is no official list anywhere you well, just leave it up to you well, to decide well, what the words are well this is actually quite a funny thing that's happened to me that i've i <laughs> we should probably talk about this too then you know that i have recently had issues with uh comments on videos where i've decided that i've had enough of people being abusive to um my contributors and Mm -hmm. doing inappropriate things. So I started uh, vetting comments, Mm -hmm. but there is a mechanism on YouTube where you can create a blacklist of words that come to you for vetting and Mm -hmm. the other comments go through. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a bit of testing of that to see whether or not that will help um, nip some of these problems in the bud. So I'll let comments go on, but if words on this list appear, they'll come to me first just to, to tick, to make sure they're not being used in a way they shouldn't be used, you know, mm-hmm. some racist or offensive or abusive stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as, as a result of doing that, I'm having to keep a list of words, which I'm constantly adding to. And as I look at comments and look at the way that people can be abusive and the things they say when they're abusive, mm-hmm. I will try and pluck out the key words from that and add them to this list. So I can come mm-hmm. up with this, this Uber list of, you know, watch words or flagged words. Unacceptable words. Unacceptable words. Some of them can be unacceptable in strange ways and and, and could be very specific to the people in the videos as well. So I have got this list. I've just called it up now. 
And I can't read it to you because half the words on it are words I wouldn't say. But I've got this funny list that if anyone ever walks past my computer and I've got them on a sticky note at the moment, one of those Apple sticky notes. <laughs> if anyone ever calls up my sticky notes, I've got this one sticky note off to the side, which is just this stream of uh, stream of every rude word you could think of. I like this. I like in- this. Interlinked <laughs> with other strange words like, you know masseuse or something because some people were making some masseuse comments that were inappropriate or uh-huh. or, or a few other words so um yeah it's an, so interest, so it's an interesting the person thing. who does not swear has a constant visual reminder of all of the bad words yeah and is like copying and pasting this list everywhere and reading it all the time and so uh, i guess uh, i still i still feel a little bit unsatisfied with your answer though is it in, oh, okay is it yeah. entirely just the streak you don't want to break the streak uh i i feel that can't that can't be the whole reason do you know what i i'm really struggling to answer that uh not for lack of not not out of any kind of cautiousness or privacy it's just i mean i think i think for a lot of people swear words are just words they say when they can't think of something better to say Mm -hmm. but you know that that's not that doesn't mean i think i'm like you know, too clever to swear. And in fact, sometimes a well-used swear word is very funny. And mm. I sometimes wish I had some of those words in my arsenal when I was making a joke because it could it could add a certain amount of impact or funniness. But so there is a part of me that thinks the swearing is like unnecessary because I can usually think of what I want to say without swearing. Mm. But I can't really answer it. You know, I, I think I'm fairly kind of moral and you know do you think it is immoral to swear no no i don't think it's immoral to swear all of my friends swear and i think well used swear words are funny i'm never offended by other people swearing at all this this is what i'm I'm wondering i am sometimes suddenly self-conscious around you if we meet up you hardly ever swear swear. you're a you're a very light swearer really I, i feel like i am i swear more than i would like to no but uh you swear so- you swear so infrequently that when you swear i even notice that you swore that's how oh, in- so you do notice so i should feel yeah, but, but i don't notice <laughs> but i don't notice when a lot of my other friends swear because they swear all the time but you do it so infrequently that it's like oh yeah great i swear that's right hmm. yeah. there's no i can't it, i think it really is just the streak i think it is just like it's like a novelty like uh like what happens if- when you really hurt yourself though you know, if you drop a hammer on that, your toe. That's not, that, those words never occur to me to say. Like, people always say that. I can't believe when you hurt yourself, you don't swear. Well, it's like, well, that never, I'm, I'm much more likely to say, gee whiz, or golly, or just because, <laughs> because they're the words that come, they're the words that automatically come to me. I don't think swear words are like uh, ingrained in our DNA. So I don't think it's like the natural thing to do. I think it's a learned, I think swear words are a learned thing. And, uh, and because I haven't learned it, I don't. I don't do it, uh, but I don't have a problem with it. I don't know. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to me uh, in any way. And for me, it's just like, it's like a novelty now. Okay. So, I, just, I, I want to ask precisely because, I, as I said, I do feel uncomfortable sometimes when we're talking and, I, and if I swear, I'm suddenly aware of, oh, right, he's the guy who doesn't swear. No, no. It might be in your head you have a little moral checklist and you go, mm, no, you know, put a little X next to my not. name. And trust me, I have... <laughs> 
many many vices that are worse than swearing and i would I oh would, now that now this just got interesting <laughs> I would, <laughs> okay enough with the swearing i'm not interested anymore what is your worst vice <laughs> no i mean like i think i think swearing is not a big deal i don't encourage i, I don't encourage it and i don't encu- i wouldn't encourage like you know a child to start swearing but um i have i'm quite neutral I, i'm not like you know some really goody two-shoes person who thinks swearing's a bad thing. I just happen to not do it. Just like I think uh, lawn bowls is a perfectly legitimate sport, but I just don't play it myself. Mm-hmm. Although I would watch it on TV. I don't mind watching a bit of lawn bowls. Sounds really exciting. Mm. Sounds yeah. really exciting. Mm. Okay. All right. That's. I guess that's the end of my interview. I was just curious. Well um, done. That was hard. <laughs> that was hard hitting, mate. Yeah, I see, really a few, I see a few. Tell me your most. T- tell me your worst vice, and then you just blow off the question. And I didn't get an answer. Well, I mean, you know, there are some questions that people just aren't going to answer. But you know, you brought it back when you weren't happy with the answer the first time. What, you... well, what was the worst vice that you'd be willing to admit on, say, a podcast? Uh, well, the one I was thinking of when I said that was uh, eating badly. I would, I would happily uh, start swearing if it meant I was able to have the self control to not eat rubbish food. That is a boring vice. Thumbs down. I it's, want a different vice. Uh, oh, gluttony. Yeah, it's not interesting. Well, what other vices? I am. Uh, I can be quite lazy, and um, I can procrastinate. Not impressed. When we're when we're off the air, I want to hear about the worst vice that you. Well, would what's not the worst vice you'd admit to on air, Mister Secrecy, who won't even tell us what's on his checklist? I don't know. I think I think vi- uh, maybe it's a problem with the word vice. I don't know. I mean, I've got a huge cocaine problem. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm interested in. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about this. I like this. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't really think of that as a vice. But if you want to hear about that, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, that's my that's my uh, that's my interest. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, All right. Anyway, What's your worst vice? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 I think I am suddenly realizing that this is a problem with the word vice. Mm. I think it's, everyone can be kind of lazy and unproductive. And those, those are the things that I, I would often say I dislike about myself the most is, is when I'm not being optimally productive about stuff. But is that a vice? I don't know if, that, if, that's, a, if that's a vice or I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can end up sometimes playing video games longer than I should. Mm. that's that's kind of a gluttony vice um i don't know i don't do cocaine though so no i don't either yeah you wanted to clear that up just in case people were thinking that was yeah, really just the just thing. in case this is tended as evidence i do not <laughs> do drugs do you know i've never even smoked a cigarette oh look at you yeah have you either. have you ever smoked a cigarette i am shockingly boring in this way i mm. have i have never done any illegal drugs and I have never smoked a cigarette. And no, no. I always feel like the risk reward scenario on that was never profitable. So I, I was going to say also, I was never cool enough in high school to be involved with the kids who were doing drugs. <laughs> so yeah, that also right, certainly yeah. helps. Yeah. You, like, you, were, well, you were asking all the time, that just wouldn't give them to you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> book, I guess you and me are going to be hanging out again today at the library. And yeah. 
not a lot of underage drinking and smoking cigarettes and doing blow at the library. <laughs> I spent a lot of my time. And your par- your parents were like really worried about you. I'm really worried about him, you know. He's just all he's doing is reading all day. He's not doing drugs. He's not hanging out with the cool kids. Yeah. That that actually that actually always was and <laughs> always was my parents' concern. Is he's just not socializing enough. <laughs> Why don't you go out and do some drugs? Yeah. <laughs> We can feel a lot better if you were more popular, but getting into more trouble. Um, but yeah, so no, that's it's just it's shockingly boring. Um, well, we're boring guys. We are boring guys. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that is the bottom line. I think I think the fact we've been talking for an hour and forty five minutes and we haven't even talked about anything yet is a that's true. good indication ha- of that. We have to talk about something. Do you want to talk about monkey copyright? Let's talk about monkey copyright. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fine. Let's pick something that's not some follow-up so we can at least have one thing to talk about. I, I want to talk about monkey copyright. I did enjoy our little after-school special say no to drugs section there, though, and don't swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sure that was the conclusion to draw, but it was more like boring people yeah, don't do these things. Yeah, it was, it was more kind of us regretting not doing drugs more than... <laughs> if only I was cooler. <laughs> Tell me about monkey copyright. You know the you know the guy at the center of this story you're about to tell yeah. actually lives in my little patch of England here. Does he? I guess I'm showing a bit of parochialness there because I guess lots of people live in London and every time some big like when there's a story about the prime minister on TV you don't go ha he lives in the same city as me. This is my local this is my local news sort of um background shining through that if some someone is in an international story and they're from like my patch of the world it's suddenly a more important story if you ever look up a place on wikipedia you always know that the place is not a place when the wikipedia article about it has a section that is entitled notable people from (laughs) i'm always really aware of that because basically any place that is a place doesn't have a notable people from san francisco (laughs) Right? It's it's they don't include that because there's a billion people from San Francisco. <laughs> like if you have to if you have to enumerate the people from your place, it's not a notable place. You are a big snob. <laughs> Am I a big snob? I'm yeah, just saying that's really I, snobby. I think no. I think that's just true. If a if a place is a is a real huge place, you can't possibly list all the notable people from it. Just because there are millions of people. From what it. a ridiculous thing to say. What do you mean? What an absolutely tr- ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> I think it's a truism. Are you saying that the town of Grantham in Lincolnshire is not a place? Is that what you're saying? What, uh, what is Grantham? It's the town that Margaret Thatcher came from. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Grantham. But, but it's not a place, according to you. It doesn't exist. I'm looking it up. Notable people. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Yes, you, you said it's not a place. Let me let me try to refine my thinking about it to sound less the, snobby. No, 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 no. I guess what I what I mean is how to how, let me try to put this a little better. Oh man, I'm going to look up Adelaide. Not, notable people. I like it at the very top of the list. They have a serial killer from Grantham who beats out Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> nice. Bever, <laughs> Beverly Atlet, serial killer from Grantham. No, notable never people. heard of her. Uh, English serial killer who convicted convicted of murdering four children and attempting to murder three others, causing grievous bodily harm to a further six children. Beats out Margaret Thatcher. Um, there you go. I'm just looking at Adelaide, list. where I'm from. They don't, okay, okay. It doesn't have a notable people. Okay, okay. Oh, I, it says Isaac Newton is from Grantham. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. This is this is my <laughs> also more... beaten out by the serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, so, you know, it's Atlas. She's at the top of the list. Okay, this okay, this is my feeling about the notable people section on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Its purpose seems to build up the place that it is describing, but for me, it has the exact opposite effect. It diminishes the place by feeling the need to list the notable people that come from it. I think that is that is the more articulate version of the feeling that it gives me. That that is fair enough. I th- I and, think that, and a little bit less that makes you sound a little bit less I live in London and nowhere else matters yeah but I'm not from London I guess that's the feeling that I, I have about this I don't mean it in a snob in a snobbish way I just think that 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 section always seems to do the opposite of what it is intending to do that by the very fact of saying look at all the notable people from this place in my mind it makes me feel like that place is less notable not more notable Okay, I I understand the logic of what you're saying. I, I see another side to that. I do see another side to that as well, but like where it could say despite despite not having the advantage of a huge swarming population, we still have produced people that are able to make it on the world stage. So I think it's saying, look look, we, we are indeed small, but we still pack a punch. Uh, which you could then argue, well, that's something only a small puppy would say. But um, Yeah, and, and always with these notable people sections, what I'm really curious about is how many of these notable people lived in that place? Uh, <laughs> and as opposed to how many of them were born there and then left after high school? Uh, and then all of the notable things came later. That, I, that's what I would really like is a, a notable people who also spent their entire life in this place section. I think it's a little weird that a place gets to lay claim to somebody because they, you know, they happen to... to pop into existence in this location and maybe didn't spend a whole lot of time there. But anyway, that's a, it's a whole separate issue. We were supposed to be talking about monkey copyright and then you infuriated me somehow, I think is what happened there. Sorry. Let's go back to, <laughs> Oh, that's right. I told you that the guy at the center of monkey, monkey copyright was from like, not yes. even from the town I'm from, just from this section of England that is covered by <laughs> <Yes>. my local <laughs> news. <laughs> uh, so do you know the guy's uh, name off the top of your head? No, I don't. I, I, I had pulled up, I tried to be prepared, and I pulled up some links before, and I seem to have lost all of them. Or oh no, wait, are they on my other web? Ah, okay, great. Okay, so I want. I knew I would. Try, I tried to prepare it a little, prepare a little bit, and so here we go. Um, so for those unaware, the the basic story is this guy, uh, David Slater, who is a nature photographer, in two thousand and eleven went to Indonesia, and. He was there to do wildlife photography. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing that happened is when he was there, uh, basically some monkeys handled his camera equipment and ended up taking pictures of themselves with his camera. Like monkey selfies, basically. Yeah, it's a monkey selfie. And they're great I, pictures. I, they're amazing. Like. I have to say, the, the, the one picture that this is really... Uh, primarily about, I will put a link to in the show notes, people should definitely look. It is an amazing photograph mm. that this monkey took of himself. He, ha- he has a smile, he has these striking red eyes. It, it, is, it is just a, a really striking photograph. And uh, the guy has a few more on his website, but it, it's about one photograph in particular. Mm. They, they are just amazing. Uh, but the question, the question about this is does the photographer, David Slater, own the copyright to this image or not? Mm-hmm. And 
I saw this happen in 2011 when the story first broke and a bunch of newspapers were posting it, primarily just looking at this amazing photograph, this monkey selfie, basically. Yeah. You know, it's a cute photograph. But but what has happened is this has escalated, which is that it is actually going to court because Wikipedia is contending the photographer's claim that the copyright belongs to him. Because Wikipedia, it's become like a Wikipedia picture, a Wikimedia, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. So it's on, it's on Wikimedia Commons, which is a, a resource that I use all the time to try and find public domain and certain kinds of Creative Commons images. And they list it on Wikipedia as uh, being able to be used. Now, the funny version of this story, which I'm going to say almost certainly a whole bunch of times throughout this, but is not really true. The headline in newspapers, who don't care to fact check things, is that the argument is that the monkey owns the copyright to yeah. the picture because he took his own picture. Yeah. Uh, and like you will see this headline in careless newspapers who are uninterested in the truth and are more interested in selling newspapers. The actual, the actual uh, argument is that the photograph is public domain because there is no author of the photograph. Of That's course, really you, what it you is. You were a bit guilty of this headline when we started the talk as well, didn't you? You said, let's talk about monkey copyright. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, but also, I am not a newspaper. No. And I also, <laughs> straight up, this is not true, but I'm still going to talk about monkey copyright because I am tickled by the notion of a monkey owning the copyright to an image. I think this is a fascinating, fascinating question about whether, what is the copyright of this image? Does it go to the photographer or <laughs> does it go to the monkey or does it go to nobody? You seem like you're familiar with the story. Do you have any... Uh, initial thoughts about this? Do you think the monkey gets the copyright? Nobody gets the copyright? He gets the copyright? What do you think? I think he should get the copyright. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that? Dunno. Just feels right. Just feels right. What happened? He he left the um the monkey picked up the camera. Like he didn't intend for the monkey to pick up the camera, did he? The monkey just did it. Or did or was he trying to trick the monkey into doing it because he thought it would be a cool picture? I'm not 100% clear, but it, from what I've read, it reads like he just left it unattended and the monkey just played. Um, I mean, if he if he tried to trick the monkey into doing it and thought this would be classic and, you know, and, and did a certain behaviour a number of times hoping the monkey would copy it, then I definitely think the copyright is his. If the monkey just picked it up of its own volition, he didn't intend or expect it to happen. I think it becomes a grayer area. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm calling on my extensive um, studying <laughs> of copyright law here. Uh, yes. But my, my underlying, like, just gut feeling is that it should belong to him. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like it should belong to someone. And if it's going to belong to anyone, it has to belong to a human. It should belong to him. Uh, but why that's the case, I can't answer. Maybe it's not the case. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Where do you, what, what, what's your feeling on it? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because I was trying to pull up his, his web page and uh, I have what is currently his, his web page now, but you can also go to the Wayback Machine and he's changed the wording on his website about the situation. It, it originally is, is not really described very well. But then there are, are newspaper reports of him talking about like leaving the camera equipment around and then the monkey takes the picture. Yeah. And then the current description is a, is a I don't think he's doing this necessarily on purpose, but it, it's a bit ambiguous mm. as, as to what happens. But it, it sounds much more like he was intentionally leaving the equipment around yeah. for the monkey to take the picture. Now, I can so, certainly see how that story would 
help his case. Right. But it's, it's funny because the impression that I get is that this, this story gained ground in the first place with the monkey selfie version of it. Yeah. And then it becomes a legal problem. And now there is this description, which is of uh, him taking a much more active role. And I think both of those things can be true. It can be true to describe it as a monkey selfie. And it can also be true that he set it up so that the monkeys could take selfies. Hmm. Um, right? like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's changing his story or, or no, anything. No, no. It's just uh, either what way, details are relevant. Do, to do you about. think either circumstance changes the copyright situation of the picture? Like I said, maybe it would. So it's funny because my I was thinking what this makes me think of is my wife and I used to be very avid photographers and kind of competitive about it. We we did a couple of road trips across America and we would often compete to get the better photograph. Yeah. And I think that's I was, a very natural when couples I think to think that they're the they're the master photographer and the other ones. Yeah. And yeah. my wife is definitely the master photographer here. Okay. And I was always hugely frustrated because I would take 10,000 photographs to try to get one good photograph and then she would just casually like, "Oh, this looks good." Click, right? And one perfect beautiful photograph <laughs> needs no retouching. So she was she was always just great about it. Right. But we we had a rule that the copyright uh belongs to the 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 person's camera so if she uses my camera the copyright for that image is mine and if i use her camera the copyright is hers because sometimes we would just grab stuff was that so that was that to avoid arguments later over who took the picture that's exactly it this is the only reasonable rule even if it doesn't strictly make sense, we just have to lay this down as a couple. That the How good are your photos that you're having, like, as, as just a bidding this war is... every time you guys take a photo or something? <laughs> no, it's, it's not that good, but you have to lay down the rules. We need to make it clear about what happens with the photographs. <laughs> Don't all couples lay down really clear rules about these things? So so anyway, so this is a question of just, we went with the, yeah. the, the copyright resides with the equipment. For different uh, reasons, but okay. For, di- for yeah. different reasons, but 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 I, I think this is this is just so interesting. And it is my, my, my gut reaction, just the fun reaction is I want the monkey to have the copyright to this image. That's just great. I love the idea about this. Why are we being so human centric with this notion that only humans can have copyrights to their works? Cannot the monkey own the copyright to his selfie? Do not the whales own the copyright to their music? Mm. Uh, It seems like we shouldn't be so human centric in these things. But if I was, if I was a judge and I was sitting down and saying like, okay, okay, everybody, we have to be, we have to be serious about this now. Uh, What is the situation? I would say that the same thing that, that taking this guy's description at his word, he set up a scenario under which this might occur. And so he should own the copyright to the image, even if he was not the one pressing the shutter. Uh, what if but, not? Not even this case. Just what if someone had their pick, their camera picked up and just taken by the monkey, like a tourist had their iPhone snatched, and it took a picture? Do you think that's different? And that person wouldn't then own the copyright? Yeah. Well, well this is this is why it's it's such a difficult thing. I don't know. And I actually saw this happen once at the at the London Zoo. Uh, they have this this uh, big open area where you can walk in the center, and there's a whole bunch of monkeys. And this is this was uh, a few years ago, and they have these big signs everywhere saying, "Don't take out your phones or your cameras. The monkeys love to steal them." And I saw some tourist took out their phone to take a picture of these little adorable monkeys, and he just swung down from the tree and grabbed it and ran off with delight at his new toy. And animals are uh, so f- people forget animals are fast. 
Oh, like, man. Until yeah. an animal does something you don't expect it to do, you don't realize they're a bit quicker than us. Yes, that's exactly it. Humans, we, have, we have no advantages to living in nature. And, uh, you know, a monkey, you're never going to catch that monkey in a million years. And but you're also never going to see it coming. You think, oh, well, if a monkey c- makes a move for my camera, I'll just pull it away and it yeah, won't. No. But they're so quick. Y- your reaction times are so slow. Yeah, it's, it's like the monkeys in Gibraltar. If you go on YouTube, you can find a million hilarious clips of the monkeys pickpocketing everybody. <laughs> And apparently the only reason they do it is because it is funny. Like this is how the monkeys pass their time uh, is they know that it's a big reaction out of people and they just love it. So monkeys, nothing but trouble. Um, But good photographers. But but good photographers. So, so yeah, here's the thing. If, If you go with a situation where the copyright resides with the equipment, there's an interesting problem with that, which is talking about, okay, well, does that mean when people use photo booths that the photo booth owns the copyright? to the image, like the, the company that set up a photo booth, they actually own the copyright to images taken inside a photo booth. Uh, I think there's there's some weird situations about having mm. copyright reside with equipment that is that is used. And here, here's the scenario that I, I think of as, as the most interesting version. Imagine this was not a monkey. Imagine that this guy was reaching some uncontacted peoples. So in Brazil, there are uncontacted human tribes. If this whole scenario happened, but he was just with a tribe that had no experience with technology and so had no expectation of what a camera does and does basically what these monkeys did, which was looking at their reflection in the lens and, and pressing the buttons. Mm. I think if it's if it's an uncontacted person, that human should get the copyright to the image, even if the photographer is setting up the whole situation so that it would happen. Yeah. Even if the person doesn't have any idea, like a monkey, what's going to happen when they press the button, they should have the copyright to this. So I, I find copyright residing with equipment problematic. Do you know, it reminds me of a story that I've known for many years, but I now look at it in a whole new light because of what we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. And that is a guy I used to work with in Australia was and still is one of the world's best uh, cricket photographers, you know, mm-hmm. photographing games of cricket. He's excellent. He's like, you know, he is the mm-hmm. best in the world, in my opinion. And he used to, at cricket matches, uh, he would have his camera and go and sit in all the different places around the ground where he thought he would get the best angles and the best sports shots. Mm-hmm. But he would also set up a second camera at the top of a grandstand looking down at a, and he would he would fix it on a tripod and set it at the part of the, the ground where the batsman was, where the action was most likely to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like home plate for you in baseball. You know, he would have a just a good shot of home plate, mm-hmm. the, the cricket equivalent. And he would get like a trainee photographer to sit there with it so it didn't get stolen or, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't get knocked over or anything like that. But he had like a remote control to take the pictures mm-hmm. and the trainee wasn't allowed to touch it because I always think, well, why not just get the trainee to do it? Good practice and, you know, they can tell when something amazing's happening. But wherever he was around the ground doing his own pictures and his own things from all his favourite angles, when something happened, like a like a big wicket or a big interesting thing happened, he would just press this remote button and it would fire off 10 shots really quickly. Mm-hmm. I always thought... That was because he distrusted his knowledge of the game and his his knowing, his feel for when this is a good moment to photograph. So mm-hmm. and he didn't trust the trainee. He thought the trainee would miss miss the magic moment because he didn't read the game as well. I now realise this was purely a copyright thing. Yeah, although I wonder I mean this is this is so strange, but the the you get work for contract or work for work for hire situations where people are producing artwork, but the copyright 
uh, goes to a company. Oh, yes. But, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. But but there are also plenty of really weird situations with that where e- yeah. even trying to lock down something as a work for hire you can run into all sorts of weird problems. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the trainee actually did have some kind of work for hire contract, but even still, he just wanted to doubly make sure yeah. that he, he had like an ironclad, this is my work, it's not your work yeah. argument. Yeah. I, I can't help but as, as uh, I'm looking at this this monkey page, I have these three monkey pictures staring at me. Uh, he, he describes what the situation is with the monkeys, and then below he says, it is a totally humbling and almost beyond my ability to write here, uh, experience. So we have humbling used on this monkey copyright page. Excellent. Uh, I just just caught my eye there, but it, it probably is humbling if you're a professional photographer and a monkey does a better job than you do. That's <laughs> well, probably a proper use of humbling. <laughs> it, it might be, although he has plenty of other dramatic monkey photos. This guy is clearly no slouch with the wildlife photography. Although he uh, is the- complaining that he's. He's really crying poor on this. Like I read an interview with him and he's saying, you know, I haven't got a lot of money and I need the money from this picture. So he's, you know, but anyway, it's an interesting, well, it's yeah. an interesting argument. And I, I, I do sympathize with him. If I, if I through luck or circumstance, the thing is, you know, these guys, these photographers spend all their life waiting for a lucky moment. Cause that's when that's, that that makes or breaks your career in photography yeah. a lot of the time. It's just that one lucky moment. And he had that one lucky moment and, <laughs> and it's been snatched from him, maybe rightly, but mm. he's that, that one career defining moment for him. And it's, and he doesn't, he's not getting, he's not cashing in. Yeah. The, the wildlife photography in particular is, is basically a kind of lottery that, that you, you, a lottery that you, you pay with in time and, and you, you hope to get one winning image out of. Yeah. Um, but but yes. Yeah, so anyway, I, I I just I think it is an interesting story. I am very I am very curious as to how this is going to work its way out in the end. And this is also where uh, you know I happen to be working on something which, even though I, I don't really want to, it, it it involves copyright and and fair use. And the frustrating thing with copyright law, you know, and why it is an endless topic of conversation is that there are no hard and fast rules. Ultimately, all this stuff has to be decided by a court somewhere on on each individual case and so a judge i'm not exactly sure where the where uh, the the legal disagreement is taking place but a judge somewhere somewhere is going to have to rule on is this a public domain image or is this a is this his image and um, i will be very curious to see which way that goes so monkey copyright i hope the monkey gets the copyright um not not really i hope he gets it When are you making another video? Got one coming? <sighs> this yeah, this is the this is the thing I, I alluded to earlier, which is Oh the copyright thing. Yeah. I actually I'm okay I'm okay talking about this a little bit because given my timeline, hopefully by the time this episode goes out, hopefully the thing that I'm working on now will either just have come out or will just be out. Yeah. This is the thing I mentioned last time that I've been brain cracking for too long and I am just trying to get finished and is a, is just a huge nightmare and an enormous time sink and a copyright nightmare and I just I want this project to be done and over with. Even though it is a topic that is close to my heart, there is nothing more in the world that I want than for this just to be finished and done. And yeah, so that that is what I have been working on. That is also partly why I have delayed this podcast recording one week. 
uh, is because I was just too much in the in the middle of things. But it has been a very frustrating, long, boring process that hopefully will be over soon. I never I never want to work with video clips ever again. <laughs> I feel like every video I learn a lesson on what not to do. Video on law? Oop, don't ever do law again. Video on medicine? Nope, that's a terrible topic as well. And now a video that is primarily composed of video clips? That's also a terrible idea. It is so time consuming. Mm. And but if uh, the thing comes out, as of right now, it looks like it'll be about 12 minutes long. Wow, gosh. Yeah, that, that's that's forever for me. But I have been finding that it takes uh, about a day per minute to, to make a minute of, of things on screen. Because finding video clips is a million times harder than drawing exactly what I want. Yeah. I'm try- I am trying to, uh, I don't know if it'll work out, but I'm trying to reduce the number of drawings that are going to be in this. I don't want it to be such a drawing e-video, but I know that that is also impossible to... Uh, to accomplish so it's it is all just a nightmare i'll be happy when it's over but i look forward um, to it i look forward to it hopefully we'll talk about it in the next podcast i don't know no maybe no uh, well, well yeah i mean i guess i guess we will talk about the topic when it comes out but i have i have no expectations for this video this, this to me is is uh, i view this as a 100 percent crowdfunding kind of project i would never have done this video without the crowdfunding because it would just not make any sense for me to spend as much time as i have on it then, uh, you know, if I was just still 100% reliant on advertising, this is exactly the kind of thing that I, I just couldn't justify doing. Mm. But I have no expectations, uh, you know, of, of how well it will do. I would not be surprised if it was not very popular because it's going to be different than the other things. We will see, but hopefully that will be done soon. I don't know. Do you want to see a clip of it? Yeah. All right. Hold on a second. <laughs> 